You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning, guys. Thanks again for making time to worship. I love that we still gather this way. Of course, we say it every week. It's not ideal, not what we're used to, but I'm so glad that there's so many of you who are faithful to to join us in worship, commend you in that, and trust that God's going to do good things as he has already this morning by the stories that we've heard. If you are new to Midtown or maybe a a visitor or been here just a few weeks, you've probably not met me yet. My name's Justin. I serve as the associate pastor here at Midtown and want to extend a special welcome to you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're going to continue our our series in the Psalms of Summer. This is actually the seventh and final one that we'll be looking at today. Um, I don't know if you've caught on to it or not, but we've called them, they've all kind of started with a cry for dot, dot, dot. So we had a cry for justice. We had a cry for revival, a cry for repentance, a cry for worship, a cry for God, a cry for wisdom. And today we're actually going to talk about a cry for protection, something you see often in the Psalms, but particularly this one Psalm we're we're looking at today, Psalm 91 is a great cry asking for God's protection, which seems pretty timely, right? In the days that we're living in. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been saying this phrase, like often I find myself saying, stay safe. It's like, it's kind of like become my go-to or my like goodbye phrase that I say all the time, which I never used to say it until like the last four months. So I'm just telling people, stay safe, stay safe. I don't know about you, but that's been something that I've been doing and practicing. And I don't ever remember doing it in my life, except for maybe like when, when I was younger, my mom used to always, you know, when we're driving away, maybe your moms did this. When you're driving away, they'd always say, drive safe. So that, that's kind of the one spot in my life where I heard that repeatedly. Even to this day, I hear it. Uh, when Brenda and I got married, I, she's got a really funny sister-in-law. And uh, she, instead of saying, say, stay safe to her teenage kids when they were driving, she would say, drive fast, take chances. That was her kind of go-to just to, just to admit safe, stay safe. They know what they meant, but not good advice, but funny nonetheless. Am I the only one, though? Have you guys been doing this, this stay safe? If you've not been saying it, I guarantee you've been thinking it. Like you're thinking it in your head. You're at least thinking about how can we stay safe? Like how do we be responsible given the virus? And what do we do to stay stay safe and keep others safe? Because there's a lot of fear right now, and and it's kind of right that there should be fear. It's, It's pretty scary times, and the uptick in cases that we've had here in Austin have increased that fear which makes us want to think even more about how can we stay safe. And if you're at least not thinking about staying safe physically, I think one of the things that's happening at the very least is you're trying to think about how to stay safe given all the circumstances that the virus is causing. For those of you who are educators and don't know what the classroom's gonna be like, those of you who are uh, trying to figure out where to send your kids to school, we've got people that have had to postpone funerals and weddings there's a lot of ramifications that are causing fear and anxiety that, that make us start to ask this question and desire just safety and even to ask God for protection. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a psalm that I find to be particularly important, one that I look to a lot when I'm afraid and when I want to ask God for protection. It's Psalm 91. We're going to look first at these first two verses because they're really the crux of the whole passage where you see this wonderful promise and this wonderful pledge that is made. We'll start in verse one. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. 
So this Psalm 91 starts with an incredible promise that whoever dwells with the Most High will be at rest, that they'll rest under God's wings. And then there's an incredible pledge that follows it where the psalmist says, the Lord is my refuge and he's my God in whom I trust. It's like he's saying, because I believe that it's true that God will protect me, I make a pledge to find my rest in him and to trust in him. Now, this would mean a lot more for you if you were, if you, uh, you know, read Hebrew or you're from the Jewish faith, because there's something really important that happens in these first two verses that every part of this promise and this pledge is associated with a name, a Hebrew name for God. And they actually use four different names. And so you'll see that this whole idea of a promise and a pledge are wrapped up in the person of God, which is really the whole crux of this psalm, that God is who he is and he's trustworthy. If we go back to the verse again, I'll kind of emphasize them for you. I think we have them underlined. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, you see it there, then will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my, my fortress and my God in whom I trust. You see there, those are actually four distinct Hebrew names, names that God had revealed about himself to the people. And the psalmist when he's declaring this promise and when he's making his pledge, he's solely depending and leaning on the nature of God. Let's look just real quickly at what each of these mean. There's the most high, which means Elyon, which means majestic or sovereign ruler. It's the idea that God rules over all the earth. That he's in control of everything. So I'm going to find shelter under the one who rules the whole world. Then you've got almighty, which almighty is El Shaddai in the Hebrew, which means powerful, beyond measure or comprehension. It's that the Almighty can do whatever he pleases, that he is all-powerful. So he can deliver us from anything, and he can protect us from anything. He is Almighty. Then you have the word Lord. Lord is the idea of Yah. It's that word Yahweh, which is really the personal God. It was the, the name that God gave to himself when he was speaking to Moses through a burning bush, and he, he tells him that I am who I am. I am. I am God. I'm a personal God, and I know you. Moses. And so the author here is saying we can hide ourselves, we can take refuge and fortress in this God because he knows us, because he's personal. And then finally, the last word for God is the first word of God used in the, in the Old Testament, in the beginning God. It's the idea that there's a creator God, there's a God who existed beyond all eternity, who rules the world and knows everything. And so he is the one, as he says in verse two, this God I can put my trust in. And so I want you to see at the start is that the heart of this psalm is a reflection on the character of God. He, he proposes these names of God that have been revealed to him to say, this is the one to whom I trust. And this is why I can believe this is a promise that if I take shelter under him, that I'll be at rest. I'll be kept safe under his wings. And because I know that to be true as a promise, I'm going to make a pledge that I'm going to make him my refuge and my fortress, the God in whom I trust. That is my pledge. He makes this promise and this pledge because he believes in who God is. And these, these, these two verses are really famous. They're, they're ones that are often prayed and quoted among the Jewish people. And I, when I kind of studying them this week, I found out that too, they were also really well read and really well quoted in the Christian community. Particularly, this is wild, particularly in times of pandemic. You know what we're experiencing here at the coronavirus, it's, it's, it's new to us, but there's been periods of history throughout history where things like this have happened. And Christians throughout history have looked at this psalm to make a prayer for protection because of what the next verses say, because you're going to see what 
God is promising protection from or what he's looking to God to protect them from. If you go to verse 3, it says, Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge and faithfulness, will be your shield and your, and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Do you see why Christians had looked to this psalm and prayed this psalm during times of plague and pestilence? At times when thousands and even tens of thousands are falling on the right and to the left. What the psalmist is doing here, it's a, it's a kind of a plea, it's a prayer, it's a hope, it's a petition, an expectation for God to deliver them from a pandemic, to deliver them from the fear of the pandemic. The psalmist is asking God, deliver us, keep us from this disease, and beyond that, also keep us from the fear of this disease. The author of the psalm actually goes back to the meat of his argument. It's like real similar. You've got this kind of promises after verses 1 and 2, and then he's going to go to 9 and 10, which really mirror verses 1 and 2 before he goes on to further things that he's asking God to do and promises to be made. So if you go to verse 9, it says, If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and if you make the Most High their dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, in all your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. I will, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see in verse 9, he's going back to the main idea of our dependence upon God and the character of God, that if we make the Lord our refuge, if we hide ourselves in him, disaster, he says, will not overtake us. And then he goes on to list a ton of promises, things that God says that he would do, and we're not going to look at each one individually, but I just want you to see them listed here. It's like he changes voices now to say that he's speaking almost on behalf of the Lord. He, he says, the Lord now says these things to you. I will rescue him. I'll protect him. I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him. I will honor him. I'll satisfy him with long life. And I will show him my salvation. That's quite a list. That's quite a lot of promises. I'm like, uh, sign, me, sign me up. <laughs> I want to learn how to, to rest in God in that way so that those things will happen for me and my family and our church during this season. And I think it's so right, so right for us to look at this psalm and to come to God with the same petition, the same hope and expectation that he would protect us, and to call upon him to do so. That's what this psalm is. It's a, it's a prayer of asking for God's protection. But we have to be a little bit careful when we're trying to interpret a psalm and what these promises mean exactly for us, because psalms are prayers. And so what we're doing, we've, we've called this the series kind of ancient prayers for modern times, we're going back and we're looking at someone else's reflecting in their prayer. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that all these things are going to be 100% true promises for us. We have to engage with it like a prayer to say, 
we want to pray this way and expect and hope that this is who we know God is. That's why the crux of these verses, the crux of the Psalm is, is, is one and two, verses one and two. We're coming to God, believing this is who he is, so this is what we know he can do. But the trick is that this Psalm is not primarily about security from harm. The Psalm is about where we find security in. It's not what we find security from, but what we find security in. Because if you're real, if you just kind of lean on the promises and all you want is the promises, but you don't want the God that he talks about in verse one and two, then what you end up doing is you end up finding yourself actually only coming to God because of these promises rather than coming to him. And really that becomes what I call testing instead of trusting. You're testing God instead of trusting him. But if you come with trust, you can hold both the expectation that God would fulfill these promises with the fact that God's sovereign and you can trust that he's going to do what's best no matter what happens. So while this is a great psalm to pray during the pandemic and offers a lot of hope for those who put their hope in God and find him to be their refuge and trust him, God does not promise to deliver us in every circumstance, but he does promise to be with us in every circumstance. Here's why I know that's true, because this psalm was quoted in, a, in the New Testament in a kind of unique way. Do you guys remember when Jesus was tempted? You can read in, in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is tempted when he goes out to pray, and three times the, the devil comes to him with temptations. And the second one, he says this to him. He says, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are, my, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written... This is Psalm 91 that the devil is quoting right now to Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you and guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus answered, it said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him for an opportune time. You see, the enemy was actually using Psalm 91 as a kind of prosperity gospel to Jesus. But Jesus wouldn't take the bait. Satan wanted Jesus to believe that God, that he should put God to the test and reason that if he really trusted God, nothing, no harm would happen to him. But Jesus wisely, as we do, as we should do, used scripture to interpret scripture. He looks back at another scripture from Deuteronomy and says, no, what you're trying to do here, you're trying to put me to the test. And so Jesus knew Psalm 91 and he knew that there were angels to protect him, but he wasn't going to test God in this way. That's because we know from, from Jesus' own life and his own teachings that those who trust God and find their refuge in him, they get delivered a lot of the time. We see it. We see him do that, but we also see that sometimes we don't get delivered. Jesus himself was, was crucified for trusting God and following God, and he told his disciples that they would be persecuted and they should expect persecution in hard times. And those same disciples, when they started writing letters in the New Testament to the church, they told the church that they should expect trials and temptations and hard times and to pray for God to deliver them and make it an expectation that God would deliver them, but to know that sometimes he wouldn't. And if he doesn't, God is still perfectly trustworthy. We can still find our refuge in him and find the rest because they knew in Psalm 91, it wasn't about what God would keep you secure from. It's about what we can be secure in, and we're secure when we're hidden or hiding ourselves in him as our refuge, making him our fortress. And so we're not promised security from COVID, 
but we can still find our security in God and pray faithfully and, and diligently this psalm of protection over us, over our families, over our church, over our city. The psalm itself is really just like a triumphal, hopeful prayer. It's worthy to be prayed and believed so long as you can hold in one hand what you're trusting God to do and asking him to do and know he's capable of doing. And in the other hand, I'm going to trust you no matter what happens because the promise is a rest that we'd be given under his wings. The Psalms, not unlike things that Paul actually said, Paul kind of, uh, in some of his letters, he affirmed things very confidently, like what he expected God to do. In fact, in the very last verse in second uh, Timothy, he's writing Timothy, a pastor and friend. And this is the very last line that he says in, the, in a letter to Timothy, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this really was Paul's prayer, and it was even his expectation because he'd seen God deliver him time and time again. But we also know that shortly after this letter was written, Paul was murdered by the Roman authorities. And while he sought God for deliverance and found his security in him, sometimes, at least at the end of his life here, he wasn't protected from something, even though he had a security in him. I really like to look at the Hall of Faith. When you, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 is kind of a famous chapter in the New Testament. It's called by many the Hall of Faith because it talks about the faith of those who've gone before. And it kind of mentions all their names and the great things that they saw God do and they participated with God in doing. And you read this in verse 32. We're not going to have it on the screen, but want to read it to you. It says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, and women received back the dead raised to life again. That sounds like Psalm 91 deliverance, doesn't it? Like there were people who trusted God, and God did amazing things in response to their praying for God's protection. You hear it there, like protected from lions, just like was said in Psalm 91. God protected his people. But in the very next verse, you also read this. There were others who were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about sheepless uh, and sheepskins and goatskins destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. So it goes both ways, that God was their refuge. They were commended for their faith because they had found a refuge in God. They sought him. Yet in the end, they suffered all those things that we just saw there. But because they had their hope in God, he was still the refuge. We should pray boldly for protection, guys. We should make it hopeful, our hopeful expectation that God would deliver us. And we go to this psalm and we pray for this kind of protection personally, for our families, for our church, for our city. And when he delivers what we've hoped for, we praise God. But if he doesn't rescue us, we can still trust him. This was brought home in a real personal way for me uh, this week in two ways. When I think of God's deliverance, uh, Jake should be the one to share this, but it happens to be my week 
my week to, to be teaching, so I asked him for permission to share some pretty awesome news. You know, we've been praying for Jake's dad. Maybe some of you guys don't know that. He's been battling with cancer for a year plus now, maybe even longer. I can't remember how long. But he just had his last scan, and there was no cancer found. Complete bill of health. The doctor said that he looked normal, like any other normal scan that they would take. And they found that, after, that news out just after they got back from their family vacation, where they all spent all the, the, all the family together for four days. I mean, what great news. And I guarantee you that Danny's the type of guy that had been calling out to God, who had been looking at something like Psalm 91 and claiming it as his own and asking God for deliverance. And he's experienced it. God's delivered him. Amazing. I wish I could see you. We could all be smiling and clapping. I know you are inside thanking God for that. But I experienced it in a different way this, this last uh, two weeks too, because I had my first friend die of COVID. Uh, this is Bill Fulton. I think this was our his 70th or maybe 75th birthday that we had with him. Uh, Bill was a dear friend of mine. Um, he was a guy who discipled me for several years when I was in my 20s. He's 44 years older than me. So Bill was 70 when I was like 26. And we could not be more different. Uh, Bill was a total bookworm. I'm not a very good reader and I'm a sportsaholic. <laughs> Bill was never married, never wanted to be married. At the time I was seeing him, I desperately wanted to be married. Uh, Bill came from a mainline denomination throughout his history. I came from more of a Bible church stream. But man, something worked. This just worked, and God ministered to me through him in some very, very powerful ways. And my friend died at 91 here in Austin of COVID. So now when I look, as I occasionally do once a week or so, I go to the Austin's COVID page and and now when I saw this morning, 241 people have died. Uh, it's strange to like know one of them in Travis County, 241. One of them was my buddy, Bill. I don't know why God allowed Bill to pass from COVID, but I know that God was with him in his suffering. And I know that he's with the one that he loves right now. I know that for certain, which is why within the Psalm 91 of this list of promises that I gave, I showed you those kind of eight promises that were made. Two of them are most meaningful and special to me that I find the most comfort in. If we go back to verse 14, you'll see these promises here. It says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him and I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him with long life. I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. Like I'm certain that Bill loved God. Bill found his refuge in God. And I, I saw through my years of knowing him, I did see God rescue him, protect him, answer him, deliver him, honor him many times in his life. But here at the end, he didn't receive that, which makes me really love the other two promises that we see here, that he promises to be with us in our time of trouble. That's what we really want when we're in a time of trouble. We want to know that God is with us. And even within the Psalm itself, it's kind of a promise of trouble within the promises, right? I will be with you in the time of trouble. We could expect troubles, but we know that when we're in trouble, God has come near to us. And of course, the very last of these promises, that God will show us his salvation. Even better when he shows us his salvation, that we will one day not just be near him and finding our shelter in him and he won't draw near to us in his trouble, but we will be with him face to face. We know that that's going to happen. 
So let me take us back to this idea of staying safe. I find myself saying a lot, like I said, let's stay safe because we are in pretty fearful times. And what we learn from this psalm in that regard is that the safest place in the world, the safest place in the world is being near to God. The safest place in the world, the best thing that we can do is come to God and find our refuge in him. If we go back to verse one and two, I said this is really the whole crux of the entire psalm. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Do you want to be safe? Then draw near to God during this time. It's, it's actually kind of not lost on me that this word shelter is used here. It's not a word we use very often, right? Like another, speaking about say, staying safe, how we say that all the time. We uh, don't usually use the word shelter but now we all know it, right? We've actually got this term that we use, shelter in place. Um, if, you're, if you're crafty, you've actually used SIP like as an as a acronym in your text messages. So we've actually got shelter in place. That's common language. Now we know how to shorten it when we need to. What this is about here for us today is to shelter in him. If we find our shelter in him, he promises that he'll give us rest because he's the most high because he's El Shaddai, because he's Elion, because he's Yahweh, because he's the God who knows us. We can find our rest in him. The safest place in the world is being near to God. He will protect us. If in his sovereign love he does not, he'll draw near to us in our troubles. And ultimately he'll show us his salvation. And either way we win because he's near us. Would you join me in prayer? God, we do ask that you would draw near to us as we aim to draw near to you. You are our God, our Lord. You're the most high. You're almighty. Remind us of who you are and move us to trust you more and more. We do pray that you would protect us and deliver us from all troubles, including COVID. Protect our church, our loved ones in our city. We're hopeful and expecting for your deliverance. Deliver us. And if for some reason you have other plans, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.